Hey bro, you wanna collab? This is a new episode of Extra Reverb. This is episode... Hey, awesome. What episode <laughs> Come is Come on, man. I ain't telling you. 24, probably. Anyways, all right. Hello, everybody. Once again, welcome back to Extra Reverb. This is episode number 25. And uh, before we start, oh, we just want to say... This is the third out of the last four episodes where we've done an interview. So if you guys want to see more of these, like maybe an interview every episode, then be sure to leave a comment. I know some of you have been saying to me on private messages that... You've really been enjoying the interviews, but if not, if you disagree and you don't want to see as many interviews, like maybe only once every five episodes, maybe, then be sure to leave a comment about that as well. We're going to interview Mark Hoppus next week. You're not going to Anyways, my it. name is Austin, a.k.a. World Famous Secret. Once again, I'm back with Jacob, a.k.a. Lucy Domino. What's up, dudes? Hello. And Coker, a.k.a. Half of Sweet Tuesday. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and uh this time we have a very special guest from uh basically from coker's circle but he's a guy that i've talked with a bit as well <laughs> coker's extended circle coker's oval he's from coker's oval okay austin thinks that anybody in the thomas community is in my circle Oh yeah, he, yeah. He, hey, you, I mean, Coconuts. It's a dumb assumption. It is a dumb assumption, but so far it has been one. correct. Yeah. It has it's been, been accurate. Correct. All right, it has been correct. Yes, I respect. Coconut right. hiding footage. Like he's, he's got hidden footage. He's a big user. That's all. Yep. I'm a big user now, guys. Big user. I oh, yeah. dude, he has. <laughs> he's got dude, the pilot. He's got. He's got the script to the uh, 1976 pilot. What? Really? Dang. Yeah, I've been holding it from everybody. Oh wow. Sorry. No, but like. Um, I better say his name. His name's Ty, but you probably know him as Sudrian Afro, a.k.a. S.A. Music. Hi, how you doing? And for those of you who don't know, Sudrian Afro is kind of um, like Siva Gunner, except for Thomas and Friends. Basically, <laughs> Thomas and Friends music soundtrack, he recreates other songs using that sound font, among other things, of course. Yeah, like, like a good frame of reference is, if you ever look up any theme except for the Thomas actual intro theme, because that's already been out, if you look up anything like the harbor theme or the, I don't even think there is one, but you know, the windmill theme or the branch line theme, if you look up any of them, you're most likely not hearing the one from the show. You're most likely hearing this guy, you know, painstakingly <laughs> recreating it from just watching the episode. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, that's right. I honestly, I've, I forgot about that too. Not only does he do rips, but he also like does recreations. So he's both like Siva Gunner and Giva Sunner. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> He's literally both of them, but for the Thomas and Friends community. Well, the thing is, was because um, it was um, I was saying to someone on Twitter last night about basically a lot of my stuff before 2014. I just kind of want to take it down now. I'll be honest with you, because it's like it's like I hear the instruments I used to use back then or something like that. I think it sounds so ancient compared to what let's say I do these days. So. Just a heads up, like maybe you guys, because obviously you just you've just said that if you type in any theme, you're gonna probably find my version. Yeah, a lot of really old versions from like eight years back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like them anymore. Okay, yeah, 
But well, what you got to do, what you should do is like if you haven't done this already, top of the description link to the new one. Mm. What I do plan to do is a theme dump video of basically, let's say, a bunch of remastered ones that I've done that I've uploaded to SoundCloud in like the past year or so. Because I've uploaded a lot of my updated versions to SoundCloud. I saw you did, um, you did, uh, what was it? The one with Percy, uh, Day Out with Percy, or I think it was called or something. I can't remember exactly. You did a remastered version of it. I don't know if it was recent, but you did it at some point and it was really good. I didn't remaster it. It's the same, it's literally the same audio file because... I lost the original project file years ago, um, back when my hard drive flight pretty much died back in 2015. (laughs) So (laughs) one day I I did like a whole bunch of stuff like, yeah, um, I got, basically I started learning what sampling was and, um, my hard drive had a failure and I lost like a whole bunch of stuff, like a whole bunch of work I did on the iOS as well. Um, so then pretty much had to restart again that summer, unfortunately, which is crazy, but it is what it is. I've got, I've got everything and more back now, so it's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, that gets me sort of thinking, you mentioned about the sampling. I wanted to ask, so, because uh, I don't know if you were the first, but I know you were one of the early guys who did all these recreations. So how did you at first recreate some of the sounds from the show? And can you tell me how it, you know, progressed over time, how you did it more? Um. Well, basically, it was kind of a case of I, well, my kind of introduction to doing that kind of music anyway, or music production on like, on like a door in general, was when I went to secondary school and I was about 12. And basically, I seen Garage Band on the Logic, on, on sorry, not on, on the Apple Macs for like the first time. And I realized that you could create like a full track by just playing in through a keyboard and all these sounds coming out of the computer, like this whole library of instruments. And I was like, this is amazing no way I could, I could create my full thing just on a computer. Where have you been all my life? And then basically I'd always just try to sneak in time doing stuff like making recreations of beats on GarageBand or making my own stuff. And then um, it wasn't until like a couple of years later that I actually finally got my own laptop and I got um, I was looking for basically like a Windows equivalent of GarageBand and Logic Pro. I was thinking, hmm, because I didn't really like Fruity Loops. I didn't really like um, Reason. And I found Mixcraft and I thought, Mixcraft's quite straightforward, kind of like Logic is, you know, and the, the sounds are okay. So then um, at first I started playing around with just MIDIs and just revoicing them and stuff like that. And then finally got a MIDI keyboard and I was like, right, I will um, start playing stuff in because I knew how to play a bit of keyboard anyway. And I started doing what I did at school at home. And then I was hearing, um, what did I hear now? I remember hearing Captain Punjab, he did... Um, like season one and two style recreations of I think Mavis, Oliver and Thomas, stuff like that. And I heard and I heard like the percussion he was using and how accurate it was. And I was like, this actually sounds quite close. So um, I started basically using some of the default orchestral instruments, basically just playing the melodies of what I heard from on a Thomas episode. So it was like Bertie's coach tour theme from the Star of Ed- Edwards exploit. That was one of my first ones. And um, I was like, oh yeah, but then on the show it's all synthesized and stuff, but I don't really, I didn't really have the proper instruments for it. And then after talking to um, a friend of mine, Sean, who had the VST of the Jupiter, because I found out, oh yeah, we was reading through the interviews, oh yeah, it was John of the Jupiter 6. The closest VST we could find was Jupiter 8. And then I was just trying to, like, trying to make the instruments, did not have a clue. 
I didn't have a clue. <laughs> I was like looking at all these all these levers and knobs and stuff, and I thought, oh yeah, the sounds haven't changed. I just don't know what I'm doing. Didn't really know much about you know sine waves and triangle waves and all that stuff. So it was just all consistent like bzzz, buzzing noises. And then um, I found a factory preset sheet somewhere on some website like Synthmania or something like that. And then basically it had a PDF file of diagrams and images of where the of basically where like where all the 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 buttons and levers and like oscillators and are set and stuff like that on the Jupiter eight and where you're supposed to place them in order to achieve let's say a flute or a brass or a, a bass or some sort of like woodwind like over a woodwind instrument and then um then the sound started coming together from that and that's when I started to learn how to create a synth instrument through like looking at those guide sheets and I was like oh that's cool so then I started learning how to make brasses and stuff like that and trumpets and stuff like that. So then over time, just learning about how to make the instruments, I was just like fine tuning it and, you know, basically just adjusting to the sounds to where at the time I thought was accurate enough. And also using other VSTs installed in Mixcraft that had synths that sounded very close already to the Thomas ones. I just had to like, you know, adjust them with reverb and stacking other synths on top of them and EQ and stuff like that. And then, yeah, and then basically I wasn't really using a drum VST at the time. I was using audio samples of Lint LM2 instruments. And for that, the stuff like the Cabasso is just like getting a high pitch. But then basically like just going in audacity and slowing it down to make it go, like to make it sound more like the, the chuffing sound that we know from the classic instruments. And then that's just how it was for, let's say, around 2013. So a lot of the stuff that you hear around 2013 was just me using a lot of those factory presets from the guide sheets of the Jupiter instrument as well as adjusting them um, into more of like my own kind of stuff um, with those audio samples. And then 2014, still kind of on the same thing, but then around two, late, late 2013, 2014, I started getting onto the Proteus stuff. I was sent um, the sound font by a friend of mine and because um, he was using them. And I thought, oh, you're actually making the season three to seven type of stuff. This sounds actually bang on accurate because, you know, they're stock instruments. They're not synths you have to make from scratch. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, that's brilliant. You know, the, all the strings and all the the woodwinds and all that stuff was all, this is great. So I started, I think the first one I made was the Scar Lowy Railway theme. And then throughout late 2013 to 2014, I was just on that. And then um, we're alongside with the synths. And in 2000, oh yeah, sorry, it was, Summer 2013, I started getting into original stuff. So I thought, oh yeah, what about Thomas music? That sounds like Thomas music, but isn't the same melodies. So if you remember, let's say the Cheerful Engine theme and of that, which is like a combination of Bertie's and stuff like that. And just a bunch of other things at the time, like working in the snow and um, which was like ducks and like a Sonic 1 special stage kind of hybrid. And then... Um, and my favorite, the traveling theme. Oh, that 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 comes two years. Even though that was a few years later. Two years later, yeah. We'll get into that. And then, um, yeah, so just kind of working around with that in 2013. Yeah, so the original kind of stuff I was making in 2014, I was thinking, because I'm an R&B head. I like soul R&B and, um, you know, hip-hop, stuff like that. I, I love a lot. Of, I used to love, especially back in uni, I was a big East Coast fan. So, like, Nas, Mop D, Black Moon... Big E, uh, Big L, um, you know, and uh, yeah. Tribe Called Quest and stuff like that. That was me throughout uni. And I remember at the time, because I was thinking, I really love those kind of like R&B chords. 
you know, sevenths and diminishes and stuff like that. And I was like, right, how about we kind of take th- those kind of chord progressions and, you know, we put them into the Thomas kind of sound with the synths and, like, the drum machines and stuff. And then I think I made Synthesized Sunset. I think that was, like, my first one of trying it out. And that was kind of just what I had in mind at the time was Rock With You by Michael Jackson. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, the the chords. I love the chords in that song. So I was like, okay, well, try and do something like that. Just play around with that. And then it just, that turned into Synthesized Sunset. And then there was, like, another one called The Evening. And then that was kind of, like, based off a little bit of music I heard in the Boondocks one time. And I love the chord progression of the bass line in that. I was like, okay, we'll do take a little bit of that and just like, you know, work around it and make something with it. And then, yeah, and then just basically 2014, I think later on, I've got, I got Ableton because when I went to college, um, my second college, I went to, um, we got Ableton and a guy, like a friend of mine got me like the software so then, and then I was I realized you had a sampler and you could just like put in a wave file and stuff like that, and we had to recreate like a hip hop beat using some Dr. Dre multi tracks and stuff. But basically, get the multi tracks and the vocals, and then basically do some make a beat and just put the vocals on time. But making a beat that would fit with it, so I made like a '90s West Coast kind of like Snoop Dogg kind of thing, and then um and then through that through the sampling of that, I was realized I was thinking hmm. Because I thought, maybe if I can sample the sounds from that, can I sample, let's say, bits from the Thomas show, the Thomas show, which has, let's say, a flute or something, and then manipulate the pitch on that and then try to turn it into an instrument. So then through that, I got like Edward and Gordon, which had, which the very start has the the flute instrument on a C note. So then I just kind of got that, and I just kind of like looped the sound, and I just like blended it to make it the note longer. And then put it into the sample, and I was like, I've actually got the season, the an accurate season one flute at hand. So then, can I, can, if you don't mind, can I ask you a question? Um, Go on. So, are you the one that made the SFZ thing that goes around the community a lot? No. Okay, guys, I was wondering because that does the same thing. It's it's a sample of the flute and the trumpets and stuff. It's an SFZ. I've heard this. I've heard there's a sound fun getting about, but I've literally not. I've not. I've not looked at it. I mean, I've got. You know, I've got my synth, which I've, you know, which I've made. And also, like, some friends have sent to me over as well, like, with exchange instruments and stuff like that. So I just pretty much use those. Yeah, I don't, I've never, what I use them for, I literally will just make a patch as close as I can in, in, you know, Arturia Jupiter 8V. Yeah. Get it. And then just, I use Match EQ and Logic to make it match the sample. So it sounds like the one from the show. That's all I do. (laughs) Yeah. I'm actually, hang on. Let me, if I can find something for you right now. Isn't it funny, though, how you started on GarageBand on a different computer and then you were looking for specifically a Windows equivalent and you found Mixcraft? Because that is exactly what happened to me when I first started. I was started out on my grandma's MacBook, playing around on GarageBand. I didn't have a MacBook. I had a Windows PC. So I went looking, literally searching GarageBand Windows equivalent Mm. and I found Mixcraft. Mixcraft 6 is what I used. Yeah. Or was it 5? Yeah. I don't even remember. I had 6. But it was about that same time. Yeah, my early days of trying to, liking music, not necessarily like, oh, I want to do this, but I always kind of wanted to make music was I would use GarageBand on the iPad back in, uh, I want to say, 2012, maybe 2013. Uh, that too. I was like, whoa, like this could be me. And then, and now then I circled back, back in like, what, 2015, 2016? 
I do use Reason now, yeah. No, but so um, do I. I went through a little phase of like reason and I was, what was it doing now? I was employing Michael Jackson midis. <laughs> was nice. And then they were, yeah, they sounded so video gamey-ish. Very, 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 very midi-like. Um, yeah. But then, I mean, what was I talking about again? Hold on. You were talking about, you found a sound file or something? Oh, you were talking about sampling the instruments. Yeah. Yeah, so then, and then from that, and then up until 2015, where after, and I was just like doing that. And in 2015, yeah, like you said, um, I made the traveling theme. And fun fact about the traveling theme is, is um, how how did how did that one come about? Now, I was like, I, I was like thinking, you know what? There's not a lot of themes that use the snare drum. I thought in Thomas, there's no, there's not a lot of themes that actually use a. Like, well, like 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 that like, apart from the theme song really for the especially in the classic like the first two series i thought how about what about backing music that actually has a you know a walking drum beat like that and then if, and then the, the chord progression funny love comes from a two-pack song and um that song is called i get around i get around by two-pack and because i used to love that song so much back when i was younger and i thought i love the chords in that and I remember at the time I just learned how to play the chord progression and I thought, I really, really want to use that in something. So then I just like, then I started doing the, the chord progression down with the strings and the brass and the brass strings and the Thomas thing. I was like, yeah. And then I kind of made my own trumpet instrument at the time from like using a, I think a triangle wave on the, on the Jupiter. And then pretty much just went from there. And then for about three years, I literally didn't touch Thomas or my YouTube channel or anything like that. And then, um, yeah, I, I just kind of grew out of it at the time. I just wasn't really interested. And in 2018, I came around and I looked at my stuff and I thought, oh, yeah. And then the guys were still working on the trains route. And I thought, I miss doing that. So, I, you know, I thought I hit them up and say, yeah, do you want any anything doing for it? And then at the time, I was like, still had mixed craft on my laptop. And I thought, okay, you know, because I've not, and, you know, I thought I've got all this stuff in. I've not touched it for a long time. So I thought, might as well get back into it. And then from there on, pretty much just, done that yeah done that and then from where i am now i seen um it's when i was when i seen isaiah do the the mario land thomas hybrid mashup thing I thought, that's a cool idea I thought, and then i thought i've always thought of bertie i've always thought of bertie's theme as maybe being let's say the overworld theme from mario 2 <laughs> i was thinking yeah. i thought they kind of sound alike yeah exactly isn't that how it always happens you're like you know these two kind of sort of sound alike. Yeah. And like the more you think about it, it's like these two really sound alike. You know, if I if I could just figure out in my head, you know, all the notes, I bet I could make it work, you know? Or you could be like Austin, how Austin really is, and just take Thomas and Megalovania and be like, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I I mean, when I first heard that, I thought that was good. <laughs> Someone's actually done it and done it properly because the sounds actually are correct and stuff. It's not like it's some eight bit like remix or something like that. It's actually quite spot on. <laughs> well, I tried anyways. Uh, somebody actually took the uh, the Proteus sound font. I think I think the channel's name is Demon of Nowhere, and uh, remade Megalovania in that Tom sound font twice. But I got more views. Ooh. Just kidding. <laughs> No, I do actually, but yeah. Ooh, Austin flexing once again. 
No, I was, I was really, I was like, because that was like the most viewed Thomas Megalovania thing back when I first like dropped my video. Yeah. And like, I was really, I was really happy when I passed that one. Yeah. And then I just shot past it. Yeah. The most popular thing I made Thomas wise for music is a thing called the night train. And uh, it confuses a lot of people because it's named the same as the sing-along song, but it's not. It's completely original. <laughs> like, I get at least yeah. five DMs a day, people being like, hey, you should have named this something else because it's really confusing. Yeah, that's a peaceful little piece, actually. I like that. The, the, the genre beat of it reminds me of, you probably won't know what the song is, but it's called um, Hole Again. By a, who, Who's it by? <laughs> it, there, there was a band back in the day in England um, called Atomic Kitten. And they did like some... They did, they I've heard of that. them. I've never heard the song, but I know, I've heard of them before. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I think aside from... I think that's my most popular thing. I think the only thing aside from that would be the stuff I did for the Thomas Archive, the unreleased archive, that whole thing that... Yeah. That I did. I did the Benny Hill, Runaway Benny Hill thing. I was about to say, I can't believe that was you the whole time. Yeah, no. Uh, someone freaked out. I remember I had a friend... Because, you know, I did the... Cause there's that FNAF VHS fan series called the Walton files. I did that, the set music for that as well. And I remember I had a friend who watched it, the Walton files and the Thomason released archive. And I remember when I tweeted out finally being like, Hey, yeah, I'm the one who did this. They DM me and were like, I, he said, he said, I was literally watching the unreleased archive and swore that it sounded like your stuff for the Walton files. And I found Ooh. it was you. <laughs> See, it's cool. It's cool when people recognize you in that kind of way though. It's like they recognize your formula, like because they've kind of analyzed you. You know, they could they, they recognize where you've been working somewhere else. I think that's quite cool. That's the that's always been something that I think most musicians try to do is figure out, get their own style, you know. I mean, I try I still try to I still try to find mine. I I, I don't always want to resort in Thomas themed stuff for like my channel, but I find that even when I go outside of that box, people still put people, some people still comment and go, Oh yeah, Thomas went here. And I'm like, but I've not even used Thomas sounds in this one. <laughs> Do you know, it's like I, I did, um, Casino night zone from Sonic two. And I did it in the style of, let's say, do the Bartman from the Simpsons. And, um, someone was like, Oh yeah, Thomas and Percy go to the club. I'm like, there's not a Thomas sound in this model. Like, it's, <laughs> I think I think I mean I think you got to admit that I think a lot of that has to do less or so with the composition but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that people know you for that stuff you know yeah, yeah. that's so, what I mean. you got to so, accept so, that so no yeah. of course that's sort of what I, like how I've accepted it with like the Walton files and stuff because every single time I, I release like I'll release my Evangelion based music on my Apple music completely separate and all of a sudden I get some guy being like so how this relate to the Walton files and I'm like it, it doesn't I'll tell you the first time I watched that on, on Netflix Evangelion and I thought this is one of the most wildest things I've ever seen I thought I thought I thought because I, I thought aesthetically wise I loved it because I love um 90s cell animation anime yeah I love the gritty look I love you know it's, it's I've always preferred like that gritty home-drawn nostalgic look of it and so that's what intrigued me in. and I was just watching it I thought this is crazy because I mean, I need to go watch it again to understand the story properly. But then I just seen all these big creatures and monsters and the, like, like <laughs> yeah. Transformers-like looking things. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to have to watch that again. I mean, I'll tell you what I've been watching recently. Yeah. So, go, so, sorry. Um, well, in a nostalgic way, 
and this is mad. Ben Ten, no lie. Oh my gosh, I grew up with Ben Ten back in the day. Was like everything, dude. I remember freaking. My brother was more into it than I was, though. But I was. I still love that show. I was more of a more of a Foster's Home for Imaginary Kids type of man. Imaginary Kids. That show was good. Imaginary Kids. Is that what it was called? I don't. I don't remember the name of it. I just remember watching it. It's imaginary friends. That's what it was called. Imaginary oh, kids. I'll, look, okay. <laughs> so Max, the Max, the imaginary one. <laughs> yeah. Lewis Huber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two thousand two thousand zero Cartoon Network was literally just wow, just wow, just the whole the decade of Cartoon of Cartoon Network for that era was amazing. Um, but yeah, I've just been I've been stuck on like Alien Force. I'm on Ultimate Alien now. I don't know. I just thought I thought I'd just catch up for the years and never really watched of it, and just just actually see what's going on. Because nostalgia trip, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I think you know that's the thing I love about that's that's the thing too about the Thomas community music wise that I really like is that you don't even have to necessarily just do Thomas compositions because I feel like you know, and this is partly thanks to you know like people like Captain Punjab and you. I feel like. You can't, you can, you don't have to just do Thomas stuff anymore. If you want to just make Thomas versions of songs you just enjoy, then you can go ahead and do it. I know at least half of my stuff is just like music from like shows and stuff that in bands that I enjoy. And I'm just like, okay, well, I guess I'll do it with a Jupiter. Do you know what it is? It's because um, the Thomas fan base is heavily fueled, is fueled by nostalgia. Yeah. So when you're making, let's say, Thomas versions of songs from, you know, the 80s in particular, and everybody knows, you know, 1984, 86, season one and two, synthesizers, all that stuff. It's, it's 80s. And um, when you'd, let's say, if you used to do, if you used to do, for example, like what Isaiah did with Break My Stride, you know, I was going to catch love and attention. One, obviously, that's the the, the, the self-proclaimed fan base national. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, that's like the thing. If you, I remember my friend made a joke one time and it was like, he said something like, if you want to win Thomas Phantom over, all you got to do is have one video with Break My Stride, another with Mr. Blue Sky, another with Don't Stop Me Now, and then there you go. You got it. You just won the Phantom over with those three songs because that's, that's all everybody in the Phantom ever talks about. I think there's another I think there's another song we need to... If, the, if we're going to have a big song, right, that we kind of want to make a thing, I think one thing is probably Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. That's a good one. And I was like messing around in Mixcraft and I thought, I want to do that. I thought, I really want to do that because that's a fun, you know, it's, it's, it's got a nice, it's got nice, I've, I mean, I, and I've got the percussion rhythm down, but it's just it's gathering all the sounds together because I'm so picky on sounds. I, I was um, I was requested to do do the Mario from the Super Show. <laughs> do the Mario. <laughs> It's not easy getting the sounds down, though. Because I was thinking, what did the guy use? I was thinking, right, I really want to know what synths he used for starters for that show. That's not easy to find out. Yeah, because the 80s was literally like, like the same way that like the 60s and the 70s were with like guitar amps and different types of guitars. The 80s was with synths because there was literally like every other week there was a new synth coming out that was already becoming an industry standard. By the next week, you know. Yeah, you've got one guy who's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use a Prophet this week. Oh, yeah, next week. Next week, oh, the Oberheim's come out. Yeah, it's just. Oh, well, look, <laughs> there's the there's the Wasp and the 
what's the other the wasp the, you know those obscure ones like oh here's the wasp and the uh the crazy Piper? names they came up with <laughs> some of them oh 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 hey jim i've just got this uh, i've just got the dx7 yeah it's it's, it's banging me this, uh, sounds better oh no i'm not, i'm not having that i've got the vintage dx1 no you can keep <laughs> your new stuff i'm old school me bro <laughs> Dude, DX7, man. I, I remember one day I tried to actually program at least one patch, and all I could find make with a DX7 was just a simple. Because I like to think that I'm good with like analog sense, but I pulled out a DX7. And I tried to put a patch, and all I could get was like a don 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 sound out of it, <laughs> just a simple bass sound. That's all you could get. Yeah, I've got the um, I've got a Troy's, uh VST, the DX7V. That's quite it's quite nice. Um, the velocity thing on it catches you off guard though. Especially when you're doing the bass, you know the classic dong dong, the classic DX7 like, bass. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, what's the song? Uh, a lot of yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of the one in particular by Berlin. Is it all the small things? <laughs> yes, it's all. I the think small he, things, I, Jacob. I was gonna say Danger Zone, Kenny Loggins. <laughs> yeah, Danger. Danger <laughs> Zone. Dun, 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 dun. And, um, Why not? Okay. Well, anyways. All right, Ty, so could you please, like, walk us through how you, like, do what it is you do, like, step by step, from idea to, like, finished product? What's the, are we talking, let's say, like, a mashup, or, like... Uh, yeah, let's say, let's say a mashup. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh. Okay, we'll do, we'll do an example. Okay, so we'll go, we'll go the other day. We'll, we'll like, you know, so, you know, Daisy's theme from... The Daisy episode, the do 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 do. Yeah, and then yeah, the big band. Yeah, so then I remember speaking to Michael Donald like years ago, and I think he he either said it to me or he said it to someone else or he said it on SIF, and he said that Daisy's theme was based on the stripper, and I thought to myself, right, <laughs> for so I listened to Daisy's theme and I think I thought, okay, how about you just get that melody and turn it to what the stripper is. So don't go, don't go, do, 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 do. Just go, do, 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 So that's a stripper. So I thought, I, I, I thought, okay, well, so we'll just play those, play those notes down, but do it in the, do it in the style and in the rhythm, what Daisy's theme's doing. So it has that bit of extra swing to it. Um, so I just played those chords down. And so for example, if it's if I know from the bat it's going to be a Daisy remix, the percussion is going to be strictly what the percussion in Daisy's theme is. So it's going to be the snares going and it's going to have the... See, on Daisy's theme, if it's on the violin, it's got a very high rim shot sound. So instead of like normally in like music like that, you'll get a hi-hat going... On this one, it's got like a rim shot, but just tuned up very high, doing the same kind of thing. And that's the kind of interesting thing about the percussion because it, it adds a nice texture, adds a nice little click to the uh, to the percussion, which is unique for a lot of those kind of themes in Thomas as well because you don't normally do that. And um, it was annoying as well because when you're listening to Thomas themes on how to recreate the sounds, especially when it's coming through, let's say, mono audio, like season two, it's a bit like because you know this, you know that the whole sound quality is just not all the way there because it's all just in one channel and it's all like old. It's not, it's, you know, it's not being remastered audio or anything like that. So you kind of think of how would it sound if it was a a remastered recording in some kind of way. 
So you kind of like turn up some of the higher frequencies on the drums and stuff like that. And you, you might, let's say, turn up a certain instrument to bring it out over here. Because when you're listening to it underneath narration and stuff, it's kind of hard to, to make out what the mix is truly like. So sometimes, yeah, you do have to improvise. And, um, and now because I have like a lot of the library of, let's say, close enough synths at hand where I can just pick out and go, okay, that's the flute. I know that's that's the default season one and two flute. Got that. I've got the, you know, the bass, the clarinet, the um, the trumpet, and a lot of the brass instruments. I'm like, right, I've got those. So that's like a huge, that's like a huge like um, step already done because the sounds are already there, and that's because I've made I made some myself. Uh, for example, um, my friend Leo, he's been really good at. Um, making his own customized instruments on like OPX and um, Zebralette and stuff like that. And he's like sent some of his presets over. We've combined some of our presets um, and some of that. Recently, Isaiah sent me over some of his brass instruments that were the Daisy theme because he did like a cover of Daisy's theme not long ago. And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds really, really good. So I asked if I could have, you know, his instruments. I was like, um, because I really want to try doing the stripper. And then, so yeah, so the, for the backing brasses, it's like for the backing percussion, it's strictly Daisy. The brasses, it's going more in the, in the melody of the stripper, but in the rhythm and cadence of, let's say, Daisy's theme. And then the the clarinet, the do 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 do. So I was, I was like, right, there's a high like clarinet or like woodwind kind of thing in the stripper. So I was like, all right, I'll keep the notes following that to some degree, but. I'll keep the way it's carrying itself the same way like Daisy's would. So it was like, you know, it's quite swingy and stuff like that. And then, you know, just improvisation with some of the notes. And yeah, so it was just a case of just, let's say, keeping the original melody of the stripper, but making sure that it follows the rhythmic style and characteristics of what the Daisy theme was. And that's with what kind of I kind of do with a lot of the themes like, so if you with the mashup, so if you if you listen the other day, there was the Super Mario Two, but James one. So you can tell from the start, the whole instrumentation is and rhythm is just James. It's not really, yeah. you know, it's not really. It doesn't. You wouldn't think it was the Mario thing at all from at the start anyway, because it's just straight. It's the James melody, but then it's just the notes that are just following what the um, the Mario tune is. That's all it is, really. And it's just, I don't, I don't know. It, it kind of just become, it doesn't really become complicated anymore, actually. It depends on what it is. It's, um, um, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of a mashup recently that was kind of a bit weird to get my head around. Um, actually, the underwater theme from Mario 3. It's the do, 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 do. I think I remember you saying something on like Twitter or something about how that one was hard. It might have been in the video description or something, but I remember you saying something about how that one was difficult. I may have done. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking because I thought I listened to it and I thought, what should I do with it? And I thought, I've not done one with it because there was another one I had in mind for the uh, the Viaduct theme because that the, the one I had in mind for the Viaduct theme as well was rhythmically more like the Viaduct theme. But then I was like thinking, no, I kind of want to do this. I want to do a Mario 3 one. Yeah, so I just kind of go, so I just kind of just, hmm. I just kind of just 
basically got the viaduct theme in terms of how everything was placed. But like I said with the others, just changed the notes to kind of suit what the Mario 3 and the Waterfall theme was. And it just kind of just went from there. And then just made sure that the the brass, the, the way the brass lead was, still had all the little trills and all the little um, uh, things like that, what the viaduct theme does. So basically, you know, it still sounds like, you know, the theme from Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, so if, I don't know, ma- mashups... They don't. They don't always come. They don't always come easy. Then when I think like, oh yeah, what mashup can I do? I can't just go and put one together straight away. I have to think. I have to go through. Let's say like I don't know. Like with Pokemon, I went through Red and Blue soundtrack. I was like trying to listen through to nearly every single track. I think right, what could work? But I was I was kind of struggling, and then I heard uh, Professor Oak's Research Lab, and I thought, okay, that's got a nice melody, a nice catchy melody. And I thought, oh yeah, we'll speed up and turn it into Gordon. Um. But um, I think the hardest thing for me as well is like trying to make original compositions. So like the ones that I call Sudwave and stuff like that. Because trying to make trying to make the tune sound different each each time I make one, that's quite difficult. Because sometimes I like I'll be sat there and I think of a, something like oh yeah that sounds like a oh no no that sounds a bit like a traveling thing or oh no that sounds like Synthesized Sunset Part Two. Yeah, I'm like uh, especially when you're trying to do it with that nice chilled R and B kind of vibe as well. Even right now, I'm, I'm thinking of a chord progression. I'm thinking, hmm. And then I was watching a film the other day on Disney Plus, and I was like, like it's a it's a rom com. And I was like, oh, that beat in the background, that could be really nice as a thing. And I keep on thinking, oh, oh god, I need to go back to that scene again to hear that bit of music because I was thinking of the thing the other day, but I just was too tired to kind of go into mixed craft and thinking, right, remember that, remember that, remember that. I really, really want to, I really want to do something for that chord progression, and then. I just totally forgot like an hour later. I was like, oh crap. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, hopefully it comes back into mind again because those things I love to do, but they are hard to be creative with sometimes. I think it's funny how those guys like Mike O'Donnell and Junior Campbell back in the day when they were doing those themes, they were just sort of like, oh, okay, let's take out the Jupiter six and okay, just start doing it in. And they didn't think in their heads that there would be people 30 years on painstakingly as hard as they can with VSTs trying to get those sounds that they made. Yeah. yeah. Or even that, just getting audio splices from the episodes and just... Oh, yeah. Cutting yeah. 2008 style, do you know what I mean? Proper. Yeah, I've, got, I've gotten to the point where I've just started using wavetable synthesis for everything. Like, I just go in, take a sample of the flute, put it in a wavetable, and boom, there you go. <laughs> mm, it's one of those things, I remember, like, 2013... The flute was one of those things that I, was, I really wanted to have accurate because the flute I had was a lot more breathy. It didn't have that kind of... The flute on the show's a bit closer to... It's like a hybrid of a flute with a clarinet. Yeah. It kind of is. It's kind of... Another thing, too, is I hear there's a... You can hear the envelope in it. There's an envelope in there making that filter go in when it kicks in. Mm. And it's that's the hardest part for me was getting that. Yeah. And the thing is, though, because... I heard that they were factory presets of the Jupiter 6. I mean, I think to myself, were they? Or are people just, you know, are people just getting information from somewhere, you know what I mean? But I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've been, I was looking for Jupiter. What? Go on. No, like I was thinking, you know, how, how what did they use the Prophet 2000 for? Because uh, you know how there's that interview with Mike O'Donnell where he's like, oh, we used the Prophet 2000 and the Jupiter 6. What did they use the Prophet 2000 for? What do you think? The 2000 is a sampler, isn't it? 
It's a sampler, but it also has some like FM sounding stuff in it. So I was the only thing I could think of was they used it for the little Glockenspiel sounds that they have sometimes in the show in season one and two. No, they said what well, didn't they say that the prophets was used in Tugs though? I don't remember. I that's I always thought it was about it was for season one and two. I I've not, I didn't really pay attention. I might I might I might just be completely wrong on there. Because see, when you listen to season one and two, there's like in season one and two, there's there's very very signature sounds like, you know, you've got the flute, the clarinet, which is let's say the lead in Bertie's theme. That's the that's what the clarinet is, um, the flute, and then you've got the the little vibraphone, the little or xylophone or whatever which is it's heard on it's heard just underneath the flute and thomas's theme yeah and you've got the trumpet henry gordon edward um and toby that's the trumpet and you've got like the just the backing strings you pretty much hear the majority of the themes and then you have like the piano and like a nice little bass instrument um i heard the bass was a rickenbacker that's what i've heard from people it was a 403 that's what I've always heard from people. They say that the bass that they used throughout the entire show was a Rickenbacker. What's that bass? I'm not. I'm not I don't know what that it's is. It's like a, it's an electric bass, like an actual like bass bass with strings in it, like a real bass, not a synth. Hmm. That's what I had always heard from people. Oh, where would you hear that? It's on. I mean, for one, it's on the wiki, and I hear that their source was an interview, but I don't. I, no, know. I mean, I mean, in the show, where do we hear that bass? Well, I mean. On the tracks with, ba- I can't. I mean, most of them have. I guess Thomas's theme would have it, because it's like not Thomas's theme in the show. I mean, the intro theme. I assume would have the uh. would. I assume would have the bass on it, because it's a really fat bass too. Like that's the thing that was always scary to me when I tried like recreating it one day. I was like, oh my gosh, the bass is so weird compared to anything else they use in the show. Hmm. Um. See, that's a Rick and Bob. You know. Ah, oh, right, right, right. Hmm. You know, I have a confession to make. Just now when you were talking about Birdie's theme, I tried to think of it, but I couldn't. All I could think of was the overworld mashup that you made with Birdie's theme. The melody is not coming to me. It's just that Mario theme. It's just that Mario melody. That's all that comes to me. Okay, it was according to a tweet. I just found it. Oh. this is someone. So someone tagged Mike O'Donnell. This is from last year, actually. They said, I was wondering what you used originally when composing the original themes from 84 to 2003. And then he replied, we used a Proteus 1, 2XR, and 2000 modules, Prophet 2000 sampler, Yamaha RX5 drum module, Yamaha grand piano, and Rickenbacker bass guitar. So that could be on like any of those songs, not just like... Yeah, so I think he's talking about overall the entire show's existence because we know for a fact they didn't use a Proteus or... Then you know for a fact they didn't use Proteus for season one too. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. He's not mentioned the Jupiter. That's a bit weird. Um, oh, oh yeah. Someone said he. Someone replied and was like, "Thank you for sharing this information. I was wondering if you could elaborate on the equipment used on the mid '80s seasons before the Proteus line was available." Ah. And he replied and said, "Before the Proteus kit, we used a roll in Jupiter Six. All the first series was the Jupiter Six, including the whistles. Great keyboard." There's there's a there's a very distinctive sound that's very hard to get to get right, and that's in Toby's theme, and that is the do 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 the the little bouncy deep clarinet. Yeah, mm. that that's a hard instrument to get right. And that 
that's the funny part is they just sort of were just like, oh, okay, press the button. There you go. You got the sound. And then now we're just sitting there like, what is it? Just go, just go bleep, bleep, bloop. And just basically just like, yeah. Put it in like that. And then we're just sitting there scratching our heads wondering how they did it. Yeah. That's, that's what you, that's just what you call very fluent musicians. You can just like, oh, yep. I know. Yeah. I, I aspire to be on that level of just, yep. <laughs> I remember, I remember the, the strings in particular were weird. Cause I used to always just would put in a sawtooth, put in a nice, not a filter envelope, but just put in a little thing to give it a little kick. And I was just like, there you go. And then I listened to it back one day and I was like, oh, hold up. There's actually a filter envelope on it. It's making a bit more of a slight brassy tone on it. And I was like, oh, and that's when everything sort of changed with the sounds. Very thick, especially in um, Henry's Flying Kipper theme. Yeah. Very, very. You know, uh, sorry to interrupt, but he's actually selling a CD of the Thomas themes. Yeah, there is remasters from while the hit. He's going to put Ty out of business, man. (laughs) Well, (laughs) people are going to have the actual themes. They're re-recorded. They're re-recorded of the originals. Oh. They're not. Yeah, you can. But like. It's still good. Don't get me wrong. His album, it's on Apple Music and everything. He did a bunch of recreations with uh, modern plugins and stuff of the original okay, stuff. Okay, well, never mind then. They're pretty much like remixes of his own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We should buy Coker the CD for his birthday. I, I would love you guys if you guys did that, Jacob. <laughs> Austin, that'd be amazing. He signed each one too. He signed, He gave a little letter and signed each copy himself. That's cool. I'll tell you, that's what I love about the fact of the Thomas community is it's such a small fan, not necessarily small, small, but it's it's because of how small the fandom is. You can literally just reply to the people who worked on the show and be like, hey, what about this? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, this and that, you know. Yeah, you see like, you know, Britt Alcroft and stuff talking to the fans and things like that. I mean, yeah. I think I think if, you know, if David Mitten was around to this day, he'd probably be doing the same thing. I yeah, think. I think I'm sure he would have already done a i'm sure a lot of this whole stuff the drama with leaking and everything would have been prevented if he was still alive because i'm sure he probably would have released it at some point i mean the only thing i think of is except for the stills because didn't he say that he didn't want the behind the scenes stuff in that regards to be was that him i'm pretty sure see i i don't know i know a lot of you know directors producers and stuff they're very adamant about keeping their behind the scenes stuff you know private but um, I'll be honest with you, it's because I because I do the trains route making thing, seeing like behind the scenes, like concept art of like layouts and stuff. I love that. I can't, I, I'll be honest yeah. with you, I think it looks great. Especially when I've seen um, that Brendan concept art of season two. Oh yeah. Like all the different drawings and illustrations for the concept art that got released recently. I'm, I've been looking at those for like the past couple of weeks and they're all just beautiful drawings. Especially um, Wellsworth. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, I, who did those? Did, did the, I, I, I know I've seen it before. I just can't remember it. Did did they ever say who did those? I think it's Robert Gold Gullius. Yeah, that's, I, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't. I know um, Robert Cardona did the sky backdrops. I know that because I remember I, someone told me that because he, he painted them. Yeah, the season one sky backdrops have always been my favorite because they're very... Yeah. I'd say from what season two one was a lot of the clouds just became a lot smaller and spaced out and became, you know, very similar in shape, especially from season three, especially from like the hit era. But season one's just got these big, you know, scattered, massive, fluffy clouds, just you know, proper looks, just proper looks like the UK. It really, really made the thing look real. 
Yeah, and I mean, like the hard, like when I was doing videos and stuff with models and stuff, the hardest part was finding good sky batteries because I wanted one that looked like the show. That was, you know, and I literally was only able to find two on Amazon that actually looked like the ones from the show, and they were tapestries. Oh, dude, I meant to, I meant to ask you actually, what's been the deal with this whole meme of the Oliver model on eBay selling for being so being hyped up as being so value and valuable and it's not really i, I don't, well i i right i was going through i was going through a, a situation i was thinking right i kind of need to sell some stuff i need some money and i in fact do have you know a very good condition hornby oliver and hornby step me as well and i was thinking hmm want to be able to make some cash off this so i went i looked at eBay and i thought this stuff's only going for like 200 pound do you know what I mean? I, I thought, why are people hyping up Hornby Oliver like he's some £2,000 model? And I, I, <laughs> I you know, I, I typed him in and I thought, you know what, I'll even have a look now. I'll have a look now. But the last time I seen him, it was only like a couple of hundred quid. And I thought, well, that's a bit crazy. But I don't have a clue, really. I don't read into all that kind of, you know, drama. Yeah, that's the thing about the Thomas community is the drama will get tiring eventually. I mean, with any community, drama gets tiring. Oh, well. Oh, someone's made a kit-built one. That's quite nice. Um, I've seen it where people are now getting to the point where, like, if you want, like, you know, uh, or bear, you know, if you want a Hornby bear, like, people are making customs with the mob. Because, you know, all the Hornby stuff is based on stuff that was already in their line. Just repainted and you know changed up. So I know like with a lot of them, their people are making customs with the original Hornby models because they're cheaper to get. Or not cheap, you know, because it's Hornby, but still. Hornby, I grew up with Hornby, but then um, I was always pining for the Backman stuff when I was a kid as well. When I seen it on YouTube, I was like, oh, these look more like the show. Because I, I never, I never liked Hornby Thomas. <laughs> never liked it. I thought this is too stretched out. You know, I just thought. Mm, not for me, but uh, Hornby Henry's nice. I'll give him that. Hornby Henry's a very nice one. Yeah, Hornby. Uh, that Hornby Henry's probably one of the best ones out of all of them. I, honestly, I'd rather have a Hornby Henry than a Bachman one, if I'm being real. Yeah, Bachman one's all right as well, but yeah, Hornby Henry's definitely better. It just looks, just looks like a stronger engine. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the few one of those Hornby models where it being based on a actual you know being based on its real basis actually does it a whole lot of justice you know hornby gordon's not too bad as well i think hornby toby's the weirdest one because hornby toby's literally like towers over everybody <laughs> like every single other engine hornby toby towers over them yeah backman toby wins that one definitely yeah. anyways all right let's return now to like uh music yeah you want to tell us, like, give us a rundown of, like, your gear and what you like to use the most? Um, I just use, basically, um, on my Windows laptop, I just use Mixcraft 7. I used to have FL Studio, but I never really used that for anything. I just used to use it to make, I used to bounce down the medias of my stuff and put them in FL Studio and just play around with, like, how they'd sound in, like, an old-school FM, like, MIDI format. Um, I used to have... I used to have reason, but like I said, it wasn't really. I tell you, I tell you what, the first thing I really, really started doing stuff with at home was there was an app called Mute, uh, Music Studio on the iPhone by a company called Duton, and basically 
interface-wise, it kind of reminds you of like Logic Pro 9. It's very silver kind of, you know, futuristic, they could call it. It's, 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 it's kind of sleek for what it is. And you can kind of like stack instruments and stuff like that. The instruments aren't that great, but I used to do a lot of stuff on that. Because there's like a tab where you go into it and basically you use your iPhone as like a keyboard and you can like record things to a metronome mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And it plays in all the MIDI notes and you can quantize it and everything. Pretty much like what you do on Garage Bonal Logic. And then you can just stack the instruments and just, yeah. you know, add drums, add bass, add whatever. And I used to do just instrumentals of everything, you know, songs I used to like. I used to import MIDIs and play around with the sounds. Um, and I think I remember the first Thomas thing I ever did, I think this was 2010, I was watching Thomas and Gordon on YouTube or something like that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like um, a synth string or something like that. It was the busy theme. So I was like, I'm do, 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 do. But that was, you know, that was like 11 years ago. I can't barely remember that. But yeah, that's what, what, that's what I used to do. But these days now, it's just Mixcraft 7. I was going to get, I thought 9 was on a discount, but it wasn't. Um, so I was going to have 9 a couple of months ago. But no, I'm still on seven. Um, I have a, I have an Ion Key Forty Nine MIDI controller keyboard. That's just it. And then basically, I have two M Audio BX Five speakers that I got for about two hundred pounds from a place called Dawson's, which is a big music and techno music technology shop in Manchester. Um, it's quite a good place. Um, like a lot of good equipment there. Obviously, it's quite expensive though, still, to be honest. And then, um, uh, yeah, and then on my MacBook, I just have Logic Pro X. Um, like 10 do you do anything with that? Um, well, because I basically, I, I went to uni. I started, I started going to uni in 2017. So I did a course for three years in music production. I now have a bachelor's degree in music production, um, second class. And um, Very nice. Yeah. And then, thank you. And then I just basically, mainly in college as well, when I finally got my own MacBook, I was just like doing a lot of like hip-hop and R&B and like neo-soul and stuff like that using my MacBook. And I was doing like stuff for like class assignments and projects and stuff. And um, and, if, and I was just kind of doing the same throughout university as well. But I, was, I didn't really enjoy, I didn't really enjoy uni as much as I should have done. I wasn't really going through the best of times. Obviously not going to get into anything personal, but I mean, I was just kind of cracking on through it. We did a lot of stuff like working on mixing desks and stuff like that, like actually recording live music with XLR cables and using different microphones and amps and all kinds of equipment and, you know, learning how to do audio, like channel audio signals and stuff like that. Splitter in line. Um, in line. Yeah. All right. So basically we was just, um, yeah, we were doing that in like a few different studios for the first two years. And in the final year we had this, this top room, which was used by a lot of like recording artists and like studios in Manchester who wanted to get like stuff professionally recorded. And it's called Spirit Studios. It's in um, Ardwick, just outside Manchester City Centre. Yeah. And it's a good, yeah, it's, it's a, it was a good, it was a good course, quite informative. We had, we had to learn about music business and, you know, licensing and, um, how to manage your brand and marketing and stuff like that. But yet again, I'll be honest with you, at the time, I just thought, I just found a lot of that quite boring. I really did. I just thought, and it was just, um, I was working a full-time job as well, starting 2020, um, like, you know, nearly 40 hours a week. And doing that 
on top of like uni work as well. It was just kind of burning me out. So, but I knew that I had to go to work as well in order to pay rent and stuff like that. So with uni, I just kind of just managed to get through it. I'm kind of surprised I got the grade that I did. Um, with it being a second class, but um, I'm glad that I did, and you know, I framed it and stuff, and it's something I can look at and be proud of. Um, but yeah, uni was um, it was a bit hit and miss overall for me. Um, but through there, I kind of got a lot more experience using like Logic Pro X and stuff like that. I've still got it on there, and we had to do a few things like score for movie scenes and like trailers and stuff like that to kind of see how we'd um, do things in more commercial kind of ways. So I remember mm. we got like a scene from Star Wars, I think it was episode seven, and there was a scene where I just kind of did like a, a kind of triple, a triple, triplet beat kind of like, and I just had a lot of like brass and strings and I like just made it triumphant and kind of dangerous sounding and stuff and, you know, and did things like that. And we recorded like, we recorded like stuff like trailers and stuff in college and stuff for like um, video game footage and things like that. Make our own sound effects. Foley was a good thing to do. I'm pretty sure you guys have dabbled in Foley before. Um, that's That was always a really, really fun and cool thing to do. Just finding objects and just making sound effects and just applying them to your footage. Yeah. That's always been really fun. We got, um, you know that film No Country for Old Men? Where is that guy with the long hair? He's got like a silencer gun. And he gets from yeah, yeah. So that scene where he goes into the motel and he, you know, shoots the guy off the bed. I remember just getting my iPhone and just like getting it outside of like the window and just recording the ambience of the night. So you're just hearing cars going by and you're hearing the wind and stuff like that, and just like looping that for the, the nighttime ambience because we had the we had the audio, um, but we just had to like take all that off the original audio. And just rebuild the sound from the ground up and just using my phone um using that and like a fire extinguisher for like metallic noises for his weapon and stuff like that and ruffling my shower curtains and um what else did i do yeah ruffling shower curtains and like just turning the tap and opening the door creaking sound effects and just knocking and footsteps and stuff and that was i just always found that stuff really really interesting and just using just your phone for that um was always a fun thing to do. And my teacher did recommend that I actually should try and get a, um, a job in that kind of thing. Because as well, we had to record music for a game. So Sonic Heroes. <laughs> um, so have any of you guys played Sonic Heroes? I've heard of I've it. Heard it <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard of it. You've just heard of it. I'm really surprised you guys haven't played that in your childhood. So at least yeah, no, I've watched it, but I was more of a Crash Bandicoot type dude. Oh, yeah. Crash, Crash is good. I mean, speaking of Crash. I remember... All me and my buddies did back in the day was play like Crash Team. What's the one for the GameCube? The one where you can make them fart and burp on the loading screen. That one, the racing game with that. That's all we played back in the day. That's all we played. Nice. Oh, I can't remember that one. It's Crash Tag Team Racing. That was it. Crash Tag Team Racing. I was a Wrath of Cortex kid um, on the PS2. But yeah, we just, there was a level on Sonic Heroes which was set in this big. F- forest like high in the sky with like a bunch of frogs and like mushrooms and then it was like okay um yeah just record some footage to something to like a video game footage i was like so i got that and then i made some kind of music that sounded all like fast-paced and but kind of like mystical and had added like sitars and 
bongos and like fluty, like foresty kind of instruments, stuff like that. And um, so I've, I've kind of, I know how to go through like Logic Pro and stuff like that, but I still kind of prefer Mixcraft. Mixcraft's got me a lot more. Um, it's just, it's, it's just paved the way for me a lot more, really. Especially like in the past eight years that I've been doing this Thomas stuff for YouTube and stuff like that. Um, but Logic Pro is still a decent one to go back on. But yeah, Ableton Live is another one that I like to use for making sample-based hip-hop. I love that for like, um, I love Ableton for that because you can just get the drum rack at a kick, at a snare, at a hi-hat, at your reverbs. And the thing with the thing is though, you can apply effects to, to each individual instrument. So as you know, when you guys get um, a drum rack on Ableton, your whole kit doesn't have to have reverb. You can just have like the snare have reverb. I always found stuff like that really, really handy. And it's just very, very just straightforward, one second click of a button kind of thing to have it like that. Yeah. Just getting, to, you know, time flexing like old jazz piano samples and making lo-fi and stuff like that. Because that's the thing, I, I don't really put that kind of stuff to my Thomas Hughes channel. I've always thought about it, but I always thought like a lot of people wouldn't really be interested maybe. Um, but yeah, I do like to do that kind of stuff. Like, I think, you know, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think, you know, it's kind of sad because Logic only just got where you can make drums that easily like a logic literally beforehand if you wanted to make drums you'd have to like oh load up a sample into the multi-sampler and yeah, then just put it in a space it was so awful and then now they've only recently just got oh yeah now you can just drag a file onto it plop it in there and yeah, it's like you took yeah, you that long to do logic that i got a huge update when it came to sequencing and stuff and i heard it's way yeah. better i haven't really messed around with it yet. it's way better now yeah but i heard it's way better my MacBook's old, so there's no chance that <laughs> there's no chance I, I can use the new logic on that. What MacBook do you have, or what year? I mean, <laughs> it's like twelve years old. It's it's a MacBook, just just a MacBook from like two thousand and nine. Oh, I see. That's not the um uh, like the clamshell one where it's like it's like the white one. That that's an i. I think that was no? an iBook. That's called an iBook, I'm pretty oh, sure. Okay. Jake. Right. It's silver and it has a CD drive. Nice. CD drives are underrated. Dude, I wish mine had a CD drive. Mine just mine doesn't even end up. I got like a MacBook Pro from 2017. That's the same one I have. <laughs> yeah, which is the worst era. Was the worst era to get one Dude, at. I bought the 2017 MacBook Pro at 2019. I don't know why. Yeah, no, worst thing decision Anne could have made was to get a 2016, <laughs> 2017 MacBook Pro. Yeah, those are like because the worst models. The yeah, keyboards, no, right? Li- yeah, the keyboard. My D key, if I touch it and I, my finger has a bit of moisture to it, it'll take the D key with it when I lift my finger up. <laughs> oh, no. It's just, it's just completely broken. I have an issue with my keyboard, yeah. I, that's how little I use my MacBook. Yeah. But and it's, it's only in the, the biggest problem is it's it, it doesn't have any normal USB. It only has, it has an aux input, aux input and USB-C. My my friend's got um, I think he's got a 2015 one. Does 2015 has a CD drive? Don't they? The 2015, uh, I, think. I it might. I, I can ask Michael Drake. I have a 2019 one Show and a, off. a 2011 Ooh. one. And the 2011 one does have a CD drive. I think that's the clamshell one that he was talking about. Dude, um, it's the one where the Apple logo lights up. 
Yeah. No, that's I don't. That's not. Oh, yeah, that's not quite what I meant. No, he's talking about um, the eye. He's talking about yeah, the like original the, the eye books. He's okay. talking about the ones that never were like mind, translucent mind, plastic. No, but no, dude, no. Mine's, before, yeah, never mind. mine's silver. Before, it's metal case. Yeah, dude. Before I bought my 2017 MacBook Pro, I really wanted a MacBook just to like mess around with it. So I bought what I thought was a 2012 MacBook Pro with an upgraded hard drive. You know, like throwing an SSD in that bad boy. Yeah, Boom! Yeah, you have yeah, a yeah. decent laptop. Yeah. Uh. Turns out I bought it from eBay. It was four hundred bucks. It was a two thousand and ten, and it was just a it was just a garbage laptop. And I had too many issues with it. So I went to eBay. I was like, "Yo, I want a refund." And then I was like, "Oh, the profile is gone. You, you can't do like you can't get a refund from them." So I went to eBay directly. You were in the same boat as me. Like I got mine for three hundred and ninety five, literally, and it, it said ah. I thought mine was like two thousand and twelve. Yeah, because that's a good model. That's like everyone still loves that model so yeah. much. It's the 2012. And it said that it was 2009. I was like. Ah, oh, man. You can't do anything with that. Yeah. But uh, eBay was like, yo, here's your $400 back. Just keep it. You you can't even send it back to them. Their shop is gone. Just keep it. Here's 400 bucks. I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I got it for free, which is great. But hey. I couldn't do anything with it. So that's when I, yeah, I got lucky there. So I, you know, that's when I upgraded to a to the 2017 that's that's what happened to me in a bunch of polaroid film because i bought a bunch of polaroid film for my camera and it took like weeks weeks upon weeks upon weeks of waiting and it turned out what happened was it had gotten to the post office the next town over from me and they saw it was supposed to go to my town and for some reason instead of sending it to my town they sent it back where it came from why? So it went from Tennessee to North Carolina to South Carolina, and then they went from South Carolina to ten- to North Carolina back to Tennessee, and it did it a second time around. And while I was going back, my mom called up and was like, hey, I want a refund on this. They're like, okay, cool. And hey, we'll give you a refund on it, and we'll send you back. We'll send you a complimentary of the same thing you ordered just so you don't stay mad at us. And so now I have two boxes of Polaroid film that are huge, and I, I'm not going to use it all, and I got it completely for free. <laughs> Nice. Completely for free. <laughs> send me send me some of it. You got an iType camera, bro? Like, come on. It's the new type of film. I have that, no idea. They got the new type of film where it doesn't have a battery in it. Because the old Polaroid cameras needed a battery. And they put yeah. it in the film. But they took it out huh. recently. So now all the film Here. they make doesn't have it anymore. They have to make a specific type for the cameras that do need it. It's weird now. We should talk about music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Podcast. Well, we're about done. Uh, just a couple more questions. Like, what would you say, like, your greatest breakthrough in producing was? Oh. Hmm. Like, the moment when you realized, hmm, I could actually do this. Like, I've actually made something that's fairly decent. It's kind of hard to tell, really. I mean... I think when we were in college, when our teacher basically gave us some like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, like multi-tracks, and he asked us, that, when he said, right, just get the just get the acapellas and just make a beat that I can ride underneath them, I was like, hmm, because I don't want, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want the beat to sound like the original at all. The do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do, I don't, I didn't want that. I was like, Right, so then I kind of just got a drum beat together, which was kind of like, I don't know, maybe if you guys maybe heard like Mariah Carey or something like that before. Um, 
I just kind of just basically laid this drum beat down and I just like laid some claps over and I thought, okay, that sounds really 90s. I thought, that sounds like really, like some kind of house party tune of a 90s like film or something like that maybe. And then I just um, got this bass line together and then, and then I was like listening to this song by an artist called Produce Russian, which is called Remind Me. I was like, oh yeah, this was sampled in this song or whatever. And I thought, if you want it to be a 90s song, we're going to have to sample something. Because in, in 90s hip-hop and 90s R&B, they always sampled something from, like, the early 80s or, like, the 70s and the 60s and stuff. They always, you know, sampled a lot of Motown and stuff like that. And so I got the I got the sample and I put something together. And then as it was going on with the... And I was, as the, it was going, you know, time-flexing it with the drum beat and stuff like that and started doing my own bass line to kind of match underneath and then, like, filtering out the bass line of the sample to kind of get the higher ends out so they wouldn't clash too much with my bass line. And then I would, then I got the the synth multi-track from the original Dr. Dre track, put it through the simpler on on Ableton. And I just kind of like only really just had like a small piece of like a singular note just like sampled out because the notes were going too fast. I was like, oh no, I just need one, one note. I, I just suck and just kind of just play with it. And then like, if you know in the simpler on Ableton, you can like, you can loop it but you can have like the loop fade so it just kind of blends together so it doesn't sound like so it doesn't go do 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 like smooth like it goes do so it's like nice and smooth yeah and then so then i thought okay and then i was like creating this like san andreas kind of like we it's like you know those kind of hip-hop west coast kind of things and as i was just like kind of going on with it and then finished the whole thing up and like a two-pack acapella and stuff like that and then I, you know, I sent it to my teacher and he's like, wow, that actually sounds like, you know, that sounds like a thing from, you know, something from that time. And he said, um, you know, carry on with what you're doing and stuff like that. And I remember I came back and I actually got the highest grade in the classroom because of my final piece. And um, I was really, you know, I was proud of myself because <laughs> the year before that I didn't do so good in college. Um, but then in that year, before summer, I got the highest grade. And my teacher was like actually using my piece as an example to play for the other students saying, okay, so a student from, you know, here's a sample from one of our students. He's made this, 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 and that. And I was like, oh yeah, you could. And the people came up to me in college. It was like, oh, right, did you make that? I was like, yeah. And it was like, oh man, that's sick. That proper sounds like a proper thing, you know, no way. And I was like, oh, thank you. It was like, oh, that's cool. So then from then on, I was like, I was like, right, I can kind of do hip hop now. So then... A year after that, I started just messing around with like making like stuff, you know, like Nas, if you've ever heard of Nas, Illmatic. Yeah, of yeah. course. I know Nas. Yeah. So I was like listening to a lot of Nas at the time and I was like just thinking, I really want to make that New York kind of sound. So then I was like over time just kind of grasping that that sound and getting like a horn and delaying it go do, 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 do like a horn in that like, typical East Coast underground kind of beats like Pete Rock and DJ Premier and Lord Finesse and stuff like that. And um, I was just, you know, I was just experimenting with all that and I was getting like good grades for stuff like that in, in uni and things like that. And it was just, um, I was like putting little, you know, clips on um, my old Instagram page and stuff like that. And people was like, yeah, well, I want to work with you. And, and we didn't always eventually, you know, meet up and stuff, meet up because, you know, we'd either just either get sidetracked or we'd end up forgetting or we just, you know, have other things going on. Um, but then a lot of the stuff 
that I was doing over time and you know, I was getting feedback from some of my friends and you know teachers and stuff and they're saying oh yeah it's starting to sound you know a bit more like you know legitimate things and maybe you could actually do something but I was kind of getting stuck into a wave of making this old school stuff all the time and I really wanted to you know start making stuff from that's coming out now but and then I started to realize a lot of production methods of let's say modern hip-hop and stuff I haven't studied enough a lot of it to try and emulate it properly. You know, one of those things where, you know, like people make type beats and stuff now. Yeah. yeah. People who made type beats, you can tell they've got to, let's say, listen to Metro Boomin and they've gone, right, this is how he does his snares. This is how he does his samples. This is how he does his, you know, reverse effects or whatever. And they've really studied it now. They've got the craft. Kind of like how I know of, let's say, Michael Donald and Junior Campbell, I just kind of know a lot of their characteristics of how they compose their Thomas style of music. So that's why that that's where a lot of my original stuff comes from. You, you could say a lot of my Thomas original compositions are like <laughs> Michael Donald and Junior Campbell type beat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could call it that. Thomas yeah, and Friends season one and two type beat. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And then when you hear, when you hear stuff with the Proteus, original music with the Proteus, that's like, oh yeah. Brit Arkoff Company Productions type Scarlowy Railway type beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I was thinking uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Me and uh, the other half of Sweet Tuesday, a good buddy of mine, Ronnie Wilson, we um we uh we had this idea for an album we were working on where it was going to be we we jokingly called it Thomas Pop where it, instead of being like Thomas Music Strictly, we were going to sort of try to make a whole album of just like original more poppy type thomas stuff and i remember we thought like oh yeah this is so original this is gonna be such a good idea and i check it and the next day those when you uploaded your like that whole thomas way video that you uploaded and i was like dang man (laughs) we had the exact same thought at the same time Uh, yeah see i that's 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 i love doing that yeah that's that when when those ideas finally come around and i finally have a chord progression and i've got a good melody in my head I'm like, yeah, let's get this one down. Let's really, let's go for it. Because it, they're fun. They're fun, especially when you have the little tape warble effect and stuff like yeah. that. And you make, sud wave, that was it. Yeah, just so, doing sud wave and all that. It's it's fun. And the LM1, that kit, the VLIN, it's so fun to work with. Yeah, it's so weird compared to the Lindrum because I used to always do the Lindrum because I was naive and I didn't realize they used, they didn't actually use the Lindrum, they used an LM1. And I remember when I actually listened to an LM1, I was like, that sounds so much better. What? Like, that sounds so much more, like, pumpy, you know? Yeah, it's a punchy. It's very tight. I love the snare on it, especially. When you, when you EQ the snare just right, and you've got it just really, really carrying the beat of a track. I love it. Um, but yeah, did you, what, what Lindrum did you use? Was it JM1? Was it like a really <sighs> basic one, quite crap? Yeah, literally just like... I literally just went and looked up Lindrum sound font and downloaded the first thing I saw. And then I was like, hold up, it's an LM1. So I just went and did Lin LM1 sound font. And then I got, <laughs> did the same thing. Uh, we got the LM2, basically. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was... But they've, they've got a proper one of that now. Yeah, they do. I want to get do. that. I want to get that. Uh, what plugins do you use, by the way? I don't think we ever asked you that, like, specifically, like, for the synths and stuff. Uh, right. I used the Jupiter. I used the Jupiter eight for predominantly, let's say, the clarinet, and 
And what do you use to like emulate that? Is it like the Archerio or the Roland Cloud one or? Archerio. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I use the Archerio one for like quite a few things. And for example, um, for example, I've just made a new patch that I'm going to start using from now on. So in Mixcraft, there's a, there's a VST called Messiah. It's kind of, I don't know what it's trying to emulate. Maybe Jupiter 6. Maybe something like that. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's really hard to tell. Um, but you've got that. You've got Impulse. And you've got Mini. You've got Minimoog VA. They were like the ones I always used to use. And then like, like for example, the strings. They were originally Impulse and Minimoog VAs laid together. And then mm. like both string patch laid together. And I was like messing around with the cut off and the resonance and stuff to try and get, you know, to try and get the try and get the buzz and just trying to get the the texture just right. And it took me a while for that for those ones, but I eventually started to get the string sounds just right. But even listening to them now and listening to the ones in the show, the ones in the show have just such a nice stringy, thick texture on them. Like, especially yeah. in season one. In season one, they're very stringy. In season two, they're very brassy. Yeah, that's the thing. Season two's got a bit more, a bit more of a buzz and everything. I think. Yeah, and people people don't notice that, but if you really pay attention to it, season one and two, people just sort of lump them together. And to be fair, that's valid because they do use a, the same instrumentation. But if you pay attention, if you really look at the small details, and I'm not talking like cut off or anything. I, I mean, if you just pay attention to the way everything's sort of arranged. There's a bit of a difference between season one and two. Season one's way more simple, and season two is a bit more... I think that was when they were starting to get a bit more articulate with how they arranged everything. Yeah, so, like, yeah, for example, I don't know, you think of... Daisy's theme, you know? Oh, yeah, da da Daisy's theme, Daisy Harold and... Daisy Harold and Donald and Douglas. Yeah. Very, very, very experimental for what they was originally playing with. So it's like in season in a lot in season one, a lot of the themes sound they're they're in the same group. Toby's kind of has his own Toby's and Toby and Terence and Annie and Clarabelle, they have their own little thing. They have their own little subgroup of like very yeah. quirky sounding themes that with this very clanky percussion or very very signature into like Toby's clarinet. Or for example, Annie and Clarabelle and Terence have their very signature clicky clanky percussion terence is you know the percussion in terence's track is meant to emulate his caterpillars and the chugging of his engine which is done yeah. very well um and then in annie and clarabelle it's got the t -t 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 -t, which is the click clicky clack of like rails um yeah emulates that quite well and bertie is like he's very he's, like a, he's just like he's just like a nice jazzy little toe tapper it's like he's just like, he's just like a nice um i don't know it, it it's a, it's a theme that tells you that he's fast. Yeah, a little bouncy little theme, yeah. Yeah, a bouncy little boss, you know what I mean? It's it's a, it's a very nice little theme. And then um, James as well. James is distinctive because it's just piano yeah. and brass. James is the one that everybody wants to try to recreate when they first start out, I feel like. And then they they realize how complicated it is and they give up and go to the viaduct theme because it's like the that's one's like the easiest one. <laughs> James, is, James is theme, yeah, when you first figure it out, you listen to it, but then... When you play James's theme in that way, and when you play James's theme, let's say in James and the Coaches, you just realize that it's the same chords carrying on to like other 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 themes, which in other themes yeah. you might find easier to figure out because they're simply they're more simple. 
And you think, oh yeah, that was like that in there. Let's take it back to the jazz theme. And you're like, oh yeah, the chord, that chord works. So you kind of just like, kind of, that's how you learn things. Especially when you, with Tom's themes, because, you know, no brag, but with a lot of the Tom's themes now, I just know how a lot of them go from a lot, you know, top of my head. Um, but obviously there'll be, I still have to go back and listen to the original just to reference where a note is here and there. But when you've done like V1, V2, V3, V4, V5, V6 of like... Yeah, of yeah. Me, yeah. like you know them, man. You just yeah. know them. You start to know them. <laughs> but, and that's like, that's like yeah. how, that's what shows you how good the originals were. Because like, I, I, you know, nothing against any of the other composers. I think they're, you know, they're definitely talented at what they do. But... Like after Mike O'Donnell and Junior Campbell, it literally just all sounds boring to me. Like the guy who did it right after them, I can't remember his name. It all just sounds like, you know, pit strings, just plucking them, you know. There's a lot of pizzicato strings after after yeah. Mike and Junior. And then <laughs> and then, you know, the stuff now, it literally is completely, you know, inseparable. It's, rock and roll now. it's it the stuff now is completely inseparable from anything you hear on any other TV show. But it's like, you know... As is the rest of the show. The hit era stuff, that was very, to me, just generic, like, kid show. It was a hit. Hit era. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Hit entertainment, so... My bad. Yeah, My so, bad. Sorry. They call it the, the engine roll call era, we'll call it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, they were just very generic kind of, like, tunes. Like, in a way. They, yeah, they had, they had character. They, you know, they remember what they were. Remember, like, the, you know... You remember, oh yeah, that's a Thomas piece. But think of think of it this way: Are you going to think of do 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 that could be played in like any children's thing, really? And then you you listen yeah. to that, and then you listen to let's say Percy's theme from season one, which is very bouncy. It's got this, it's got this very clicky percussion with the bouncy piano and the little flute. This cute little flute. This cute little character. Um, but it has that, it has that B section of the track as well, which is all suspenseful and you hear all the, you know, the, the chords take a darker tone. The diminished ones. Yeah. Take a darker tone because it's telling you that Percy is very accident prone and also and has a tendency to mess things up. And it goes into the C section, which is like, oh yeah, but you know, he's still my, you know, he's Percy in it. He's cheeky. Uh, we, we still love him. We still love him. Yeah. We, you know, Anyways. Yeah. Uh. Wait, what you? What were you gonna say? I was gonna ask you, what do you think's better? Do you like Mike O'Donnell's? Do you like Junior and Mike's Emily theme or the season or after they left? I can't remember the guy's name, so sorry. <laughs> do you like the Mike O'Donnell version or the later version after them? I do not even remember the later version at all. Okay, because me and I, I, I thank you for because me and my good buddy Ronnie Wilson got in an argument over which one was better because he thinks the he thinks the one after they left is better and I ha I had to disagree politely. <laughs> I don't even remember it at all. Yeah, I don't remember. The, I, I remember the season seven one, um, but no. Well, well, anyways, I think that's gonna about do it for this episode. Um, We've been recording for quite a long time. I'm sure we could just talk about this for hours and hours. Um, but before we go, is there anything, Ty, that you want to promote? Besides, obviously, like your channel and your SoundCloud, which will both be in the description. That's about it, really. I guess my for, for now, I guess my channel on SoundCloud is pretty much just all I ever really promote, especially my YouTube channel. Um, um, check out my original stuff. <laughs> that's all I can say sure. check out my original stuff more don't just always look at the Thomas stuff 
Listen to what my heart tells you. <laughs> right on. Listen to what comes from Don't my just soul. Listen to the. Listen, please. <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me. This is listen to what my heart pulls and bleeds. This is what goes into every bit of sud wave that's produced. My heart and sud, <laughs> tears and pain and just oh, and trauma. You know, everything's everything's just put into that. Your blood, uh, sweat, and tears. Oh yeah, just like Bruce Bug tries and cake. Cole. Oh, you. Really... Anyways, all right. Well, anyways, thank you so much, Ty, for coming on. That's no worries. Thank you so much, Sudrin Afro, everybody. Hey. Please uh, leave a like for Sudrin Afro. Check them out, bros. Do it. Do it now. Do it. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode or whatever's coming next on the channel. Make sure you are like, you know, stay, stay, like, stay safe and stuff. Like, you know, just stay cool out there, man. Stay off the tracks. Just like do you, you know? And don't be don't like my, listen don't to be like my music. Buddy. <laughs> no, don't listen to Jacobs. Don't listen to Jacobs. You should listen to Twenty Hearts though, if they ever release that pop punk album that they're working on. Just be the greatest you could ever be, you know. Listen to the lights around by Lucid Domino. The lights around. <laughs> and if and uh, and get back by Lucid. I mean, uh, Sweet Tuesday. Yeah. Get back by Sweet Tuesday. No, listen to On the Bottom of the Ocean. And and Easy Lover by Phil Collins. Exactly. 